yourself. Amen. Father, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to dine in your word. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Lord, I just pray, Holy Spirit, we know that you are our teacher. We are just channels of your anointing and of your word. But I, I ask you, Holy Spirit, this morning that you would help me to teach. I acknowledge your anointing on me and upon me. But I thank you and I, and, and I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will help me to teach this morning with all simplicity and clarity and all practicality that we may be doers of your word. And I declare this morning that we have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart ready to receive and understand your truth. Father, if there is any strongholds in our head, I pray in the name of Jesus that they may be demolished with the hammer of the word, that the heart would be pierced with the sword of the spirit. And Father, I just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, I have a special word for you this morning. Maestro, if you can start. Amen. That's you. It started already. Glory to God. Well, how many of you, you know, that's right in line with what uh, Danan was talking about right there when he was passing that little teaching, huh? the secret of Paul's happiness in the midst of a difficulty. Well, I'm going to kind of tag along and, and piggyback on that because this morning I want to share about how casting worries and fears. Casting worries and fears. Because how many of you know when you start going through problems and difficulties and trials, or that's what comes to try to swallow you up and try to burden, burden and uh, you down. Worries and fears. So, you know, I wanted this morning to share something with you. But, you know, all of us have probably, you know, heard about, well, don't worry. But let's get to the nitty-gritty. How you do that. How, in a practical way, uh, uh, how do you, you know, get rid of that and walk a happy or carefree life? So are you ready this morning? Because yeah. I am. I'm pumped up. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, you know, here it's interesting. The kingdom of God will always clash with the, this kingdom, the kingdom of darkness. Amen. It always clashes. But you know, when we talk about worries and cares and fears... You know, if you go in, in a, through difficulty and you, let's say, for example, uh, you lose your job, you've got three kids at home, your wife doesn't work and you lose your job. Well, you know, if you don't worry and you're not afraid, the world will look at you and say, what's wrong with you? They will say you are unwise, irresponsible, you don't care. Yeah. Come on. I mean, even in the world, I mean, it's kind of interesting. If you go somebody that you, you know, they have said, well, take care. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, you go with somebody, you go, you know, you go to the store and, you know, you talk with them a little bit and then see ya, take care. Um, that, that's the world right there. Amen. Uh, um, or they will tell you, well, be careful now. I mean, that's what, I mean, be full of care. That's pretty much what people tell you as a greeting, as a goodbye or nice to see you. Amen. 
taking care that is part of this kingdom, the kingdom of darkness. But we know that the word of God is diametrically opposite to that. And you know, actually, I will go even further. Uh, the word of God tells us how many of you that fear is the opposite of faith. Worry is the sister of fear. Cares is the brother of fear. Amen. And, and, and you find out that, that the Bible specifically tells us that what is not of faith is sin. So you see, what the world considers wise, what the world considers being responsible, the Bible says it's sin. I mean, let's it's plain and clear right there. And so we know that the Bible warns us and tells us, don't care, don't carry care, don't worry. I mean, even look at it, Matthew chapter 6. How many of you have your Bible? In Matthew chapter 6, glory to God. Jesus, the head of the church, our master, our Lord, our teacher, our lover, he tells us in Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 25. Oh, sorry, I got the wrong one. Matthew 6, verse 25. So I tell you, don't worry about anything. What you need to, to live, what you eat, what you drink, what you wear. For life is more important than food and the body is more important than what you put on. Look at the birds. They don't plant. They don't harvest. I'm reading from the easy to read version. <laughs> Apparently the others are hard to read. <laughs> and in verse 27 it says, You cannot add any time to your life by worrying about it. And then verse 28, Do not worry. I mean, in short, the Bible in this passage is telling us six times. Jesus is telling us six times, Do not worry. Yeah. How many of you know if Jesus tells you something once, you kind of listen. If he tells you twice, usually is pay attention, be, you know, listen very good. But when he tells you six times, that means that's pretty heavy duty. I mean, he doesn't want you to miss, to miss it. And why is it that Jesus is telling us six times, do not worry about anything. Do not worry what you're going to eat and drink. Do not worry about this. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Why is it that Jesus is telling us not to worry? Well, you know, Jesus loves us. And he's not telling us to do something or not to do something just because he has nothing else to, to say. It's usually there is a very good reason. And you know, one of the reasons he gives in verse 27, he says, how many of you can add one cubit to your stature by worrying? In every easy to read everyday English, he says, how many of you can change the situation even one little bit by worrying? Anybody can testify? You worry, worry, worry. You think about it. You try to figure it out. And you know, a week later, nothing has changed. It got worse. Amen. Number one, Jesus tells us, don't worry, because you're not going to change anything by worrying. You're not going to get any more mature. You're not going to get any wiser. You're not going to change anything. But then here is what's powerful also, is when we start worrying, it's really bad. It's toxic. Worry is toxic. Listen to some verses. Are you ready? Proverbs 37. Proverbs 37. 
Oh, did I say Proverbs 30? Song. There is no Proverbs 37. <laughs> Hello. What Bible are you using? The easy to read. <laughs> I meant Psalm. Glory to God. 37 verse 8. I'm going to read from the Jewish Bible. It says, no, I'm not going to read from the Jewish Bible. I'm going to read from the New King James. It says, cease from anger, forsake wrath, do not fret and worry. It only causes harm. Jesus says you cannot change anything with it. But the psalm says, not only can you cannot change the situation, but it's going to be toxic. It's going to cause harm to you. But let me show you what kind of harm it will cause. Are you ready? Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs chapter 12 in verse 25. Anxiety in the heart uh, of man causes depression. And you know what, the, you, you've all heard, I'm sure, that doctors, re medical research is proven that a majority, I, I cannot put a number exact, but majority of the sickness are caused by stress, worry, fear, anxiety, and so on and so forth. But you know, they've only discovered medically what the Bible is taught for thousands of years. They finally got smart. You know, the Bible says that worry and fear will cause harm. And what kind of harm? It will cause depression. And that depression, what does it do? It causes sickness. It releases toxicity. Tox blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm talking about. It's toxic. And it will cause sickness in your body. It will cause your body, your immune system, your nervous system, your autonomic system to break down. Here is just in case you don't believe me. Let's find one more scripture in Proverbs 17. Proverbs 17 verse 22. A merry heart does good like a medicine. But a broken spirit dries up the bone. You know I remember. You know and I discovered this scripture. And I had read it probably hundreds of times. But I discovered it and saw the truth of it, just a few years ago. For those of you who don't know, in 1999, I had cancer, bone cancer in my body. The, the, the God had woken me up in the middle of the night and told me there is cancer. That was the furthest thing from my mind. Never even crossed my mind. But I had made already an appointment with the doctor because my, uh, my body was aching and hurting. So I had already made an appointment to find out what was going on and when I went to the doctor and they did MRI and all kind of stuff they discovered what the Lord had showed me a couple of weeks prior that there was bone cancer but you know what I discovered the bone cancer comes from a heavy heart and you know what the, the, the Holy Ghost told me when he told me there is cancer in my body immediately he gave me the, the, the medicine he said the joy of the Lord will be your strength and right there alone in my living room, all by myself, I just started storing up the joy of God in my heart. How did I do that? Look at me. He, he, ho, ho, ha, ha, hoo, hoo. That's what I did. I felt stupid. 
I felt very self-conscious, but you know what happened? I was stirring up the joy that was already resident in my spirit. And when I did that, all of a sudden, after 20 minutes of ha, ha, ho, ho, hu, hu, the joy of the Lord is my strength, singing to the Lord, it was like a geyser, like a, 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 a spring went, and I started to laugh, 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 rolling on the carpet. And at that moment, I knew I had the victory. Whatever it was. I knew I had the victory because the joy it says right here, anxiety, care, worry, depression will cause harm to your body. It's toxic to your, to your physical body and your, but the joy of the Lord is your strength. So that's another reason why Jesus is told us, please don't worry. Do not worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Because not only will you, you will not change the situation, but it's going to be, you're going to be releasing toxic Toxicity, I said it, toxicity to your body. Yeah, you, Chad, you've been praying for me, haven't you? Thank you, Jesus. Say, please help that French lady unloose her tongue. Glory to God. Be loosed in Jesus' name. Oh, thank you, Jesus. But you, you, the, the, the Lord is also telling us never to worry, never to have any care, never to allow fear. Why? Listen to this in, in Mark chapter 4. Danan was talking, Pastor Danan was talking about the, the parable of the, the sower, the power of the seed. And we know that the word is the seed. But listen to what the Mark chapter 4 uh, verse 19 tells us. In Mark chapter 4, the parable of the sower, and in verse 19, it says, The cares of this world. The deceitfulness of riches, the desires of other things will choke the word, will choke the seed, will choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Now, how many of you know what does the word of God produces in your life? Yeah, do I have any Bible students here? What does the word of God produces in your heart? Romans 10, 17. Faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That the faith, we are called to walk by faith and not by sight. But faith is generated. It's activated when we plant the seed of the word of God in our heart. But what if you are in fear, in worry, and in care? What happened to that seed that had the potential to revolutionize your life? It's choked. We mean that your faith is choked. And no fruit. You see how toxic care, fear, and worry can be. You want to walk by faith, but when you have worry and care in your life, your faith is being smothered and choked. It's silent in this church this morning. But it's good, isn't it? Hallelujah. And then look, one more. Can I say one more? Yeah. Just in case you're still wondering. Well, I don't know. My mama and my grandma, I say that I've got to be responsible. I've got to worry. I've got to, you know, think about it and try to make it happen. But here's one more. Luke 21. In Luke 21. Glory to God. Got to water the camels. 
in verse 34. Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be weighed down with carousing. Any carouser here this morning? With drunkenness. Any drunkards this morning? And cares of this life. And that day come on you unexpectedly. Isn't that interesting that Jesus is telling us that care, the cares of this world will act upon your heart like alcohol or like carousing. You know, it's like a party spirit, a drunken spirit. What when you get drunk? What happens when you get drunk? All of a sudden you got double vision. You can't see. You lose perspective of your surrounding. You kind of get numb. You're like. I don't know where I'm going, but guide me, show me the steps. You know, you get drunk, you cannot, you can, you know what I used to do in my BC time? No, no. No, actually, I did never really got drunk. I did other stuff, though. But here is the point. Jesus put in the same box, in the same bag, he puts the drinking, the carousing right there with the cares of this world. Because just like when somebody gets drunk, they lose vision. They lose a, 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 the right perspective and the right understanding of their surrounding. Well, the cares of the world of this world will do the same thing. All of a sudden, you lose perspective of God's pr- provision. You lose perspective of God's power and God's help and you can see pretty well you lose your vision gets blurred you can see you don't know what's happening you cannot all of a sudden it's hard to fix your eyes and get the right perspective about who God is and what he wants to do so now you understand really well that cares is not wisdom Caring the cares of this world, worrying and giving to worry and being afraid, it's not a godly trait. It's not a godly thing. And that not only is this something we shouldn't do, but we've got to protect ourselves from it. Jesus says, take heed, beware, be vigilant. Hallelujah. So... If you cannot worry, you lose your job, you've got three kids at home, your wife is is constantly asking you, what are you going to do? Then what are you going to do if you're not going to worry? Well, the Word, of course, tells us about it. Go with me to Psalm 55. Psalm 55. Glory to God. In verse 22. You say, cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. For he shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Glory to God. Now I'm going to listen to that. I'm going to read it in other, in, in other versions. In the Amplified it says, cast your burden on the Lord, releasing the weight of it and he will sustain you. He'll never allow the righteous to be moved, made to slip, fall or fail. In the better English version, put your care on the Lord and he will be your support. In God's word, turn your burden over to the Lord. In the message, pile your troubles on God's shoulder. Amen. In the ERV, give your worries to the Lord and he will care for you. He'll never let those who are good to be defeated. I like that. The Jewish Bible says, 
unload your burden on Adonai and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. We find out here that he tells us to give our worries to the Lord, to cast our burden. That's what First Peter chapter 5 verse 7 also. Peter said, cast your burden upon him or cast all your cares and worries upon God for he cares for you. And I like what the Amplified says. Listen to thee. He says, casting the whole of your care upon God, for he cares for you. He takes care of you. He makes you his care and his number one priority. You are his personal concern. Hallelujah. Notice that casting your care, unloading your burden, Giving your worries to God is not something that God's going to do for you. It's something that we have to do. You know, so many times we pray and we ask God to do something that he's told us to do. And then we wonder why nothing is changing and why we're not hearing anything. Here the Bible says, he said, you've got to cast all your care, unload your burden, and I like that. Here we, we through all the translation, there is really three different ideas that the word casting your care really shows and explains. The number one, it's come here, Fred. How, how many of you have ever seen um, little kids, you know, on the edge of the swimming pool, the little itty-bitty little kid, and then daddy is in the water. And daddy says, come here, jump in the water, I'll catch you, I'll catch you. And you have kids that are like, they don't know how to swim. But you know, most of the kids, what will they do? Daddy says, jump, I'll catch you. They'll go, okay, bam, and they go. It's like what I call the trust fall. Are you ready, mister? I need my assistant. It's like, you know, it's like... <laughs> You tell, you, you, you know, he tells you to cast your care upon the Lord, amen, and not say, okay, God, I'm giving it to you, but in the back of our head, we're thinking, we wonder if God is going to cast us, you know, it's truly taking time, God, we don't know if God is going to cast us. It feels like that, doesn't it? Thank you. You see how much I trust my husband. That's how, when he says, casting your care, it's like saying, okay, God, I don't know what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, but I'm going to trust you. You are giving it to God. The second meaning, really, of that word, cast our care, amen, it's like, have you ever seen baseball? Of course you have. Maybe from my friends from Ukraine, maybe have not. But let me explain. The rule of the game of, you know, baseball is to throw the ball as far as possible. Sorry, brother. I'll lay hands on you later. The, the purpose of the game... The purpose of the game is to throw is to throw the ball as far as possible so that nobody can bring it back. And so that's what we have to do. We've got to give our cares, throw our care uh, to God and give it 
sending it so far and giving it so, giving it to God and said, I'm not picking it back. Amen. And the third meaning really of casting our care is, for example, how many, any ladies with heavy purse? Lois, I see your luggage here. You know, the third meaning of rolling your care is you've got a burden, it's heavy. And, and what you have to do, you've got to, we saw in the Jewish Bible, it says to roll your care over unto God, like you do on a donkey. You know, you, oh, it's heavy, it's heavy. you got to roll it over. Honey, that doesn't look good on you. Thank you, Lois. So you got the picture that casting your care, it's something you've got to give to God with the idea of, I'm not taking it back. I'm going to send it in a way that I'm not going to take it back. I'm going to let him do it. You roll your care onto God so that you don't feel the heaviness of the burden. And you, uh, uh, you pretty much put yourself in the arms of God. Trusting Him to make it to pass. Hallelujah. Amen. But how do you do that? How in a practical sense, how do you cast your care? How do you give it to God? How do you roll your burden and the heavy burden over onto God? Well, the Bible, of course, tells us in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. That's what we call the prayer of casting your care, really. Uh, and, and we do that in, by prayer. And it says here, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. I like the ERV says, don't worry about anything. But pray and ask God for everything you need. Always giving thanks for what you have. Don't worry about anything. On the contrary, make your request known to God by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving. And here is the amplified. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. But in every circumstance and in everything by prayer and petition... Definite request with thanksgiving. Continue to make your wants known to God. We find out here that the Bible tells us that we can cast on care upon to God, roll our burden over uh, and the weight of it unto God. We can, you know, throw it as far as possible so you don't even have to, you know, look at it. You do that by making definite requests did you hear what I said? Definite. Not just, oh God, please take care of it. No, no. By prayer and supplication and definite request. Make your need. Make your request and your need known unto God. Be specific. Amen. Hallelujah. But you notice. Um, here is a good one. Psalm 37. Psalm 37 verse 5 and 7. It, I really actually say the same thing. Uh, but in a different way. It says, Commit your way unto the Lord. 
Trust also in him and he will bring it to pass. I'm going to read it in two other versions. Sometimes one version will bring a little more uh, light and explanation. Um, Psalm 37, verse 5 through 7. What did I say? The BBE. Put your life in the hands of the Lord. Have faith in Him and He will do it. Oh, I like that. Let me repeat it. Commit your way. What did I say? Put your life in the hands of the Lord. Have faith in Him and He will do it. And here is the thing, if you commit your life and your need unto the Lord, and you trust Him to bring it to pass, then that's going to be a rest. Because that's what the Bible says, those who believe, if you believe God that He's going to take care of it, then that's going to be all of a sudden a rest. Those who believe, enter the rest. Amen? But remember, let's go to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. In verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. Because that's where the temptation is. The temptation is we want to figure it out. Even after we pray... And cast our care upon the Lord. And trust Him to do it. We still are there. Trying to figure out. How is He going to do it? When is He going to do it? How is He going to do it? Where is He going to do it? That's what they said. He says you commit your way to the Lord. You give Him your care. You roll your burden to Him. But don't lean on your understand. Which means. Don't try to even figure it out. Because the minute you try to figure it out, what's going to happen, how it's going to happen, before you know it, you pick up the care back again. You know what I mean? Hallelujah. And so, the Bible tells us to cast your care and not to lean on or understand. Don't try to figure it out. (coughs) Amen. But notice what it says, to cast the whole of your care. Not just a few. Because some people think, well, you know, God, I can handle this one and this one. But that one, I can handle it. Would you please, God, take care of that one? No, no. We are not created physically and emotionally to carry any care. That is totally against our DNA. It is totally uh, against our physical making. That's why we found out earlier that when we enter into care and worries, it's toxic to our body. And it releases sickness in our body because we are not created to think, to worry, and to try to carry fear and worries. Amen. And we found out that we need to cast the whole of our care. You know, for example, you know, you might be at work and one of your co-workers hates you because you're a Christian. So all of a sudden he's going to spew out lies trying to get you fired. And all of a sudden you are hearing winds of you might, you might get fired. At that moment, what happens? You start 
getting into worry. You start getting into cares, and you wonder, man, and what, you know, and trying to take the matter into your own hand. No, he says, cast all of your care onto God, and don't even try to figure out what, when, why, how. Just give it unto God. Be careful. That's why we say being carefree. Being carefree. And you remember what we saw. And that's where I want to get. In First Peter chapter 5, verse 7. In the Amplify, it says, Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concern, once and for all, on God, for He cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. You notice, why is it that God told us to cast all of our care once and for all? Because He knows, He knows the next verse, what does He say in verse 8? He said, For be sober, be vigilant, the enemy, the devil, walks about, as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You know what that shows us? The devil cannot devour anybody, everybody he wants to. But what is he doing? He's looking for somebody that he can devour, whom he may devour. And the minute we open the door to fears and worries and cares, he's finding an entrance into your life. Is looking whom he may devour. We find again. Now look at the connection here. Verse 7. It says. Cast all your cares. Upon the Lord. Once and for all. In verse 8 he said why? Because the devil the, uh, acts as a roaring like lion. Seeking whom he may devour. Apparently cares, worries and fear. Is an open door in which the devil may devour you. Oh it's awfully quiet this morning. Do you want to know what I'm talking about? And so that means that we've got to be vigilant. We've got to be sober. Here it is. Don't be drunk with worry and cares. Because you won't have the right vision. Amen. And so what does this mean? Is that we're going to have to be protect ourselves. Keep the door shut. How? By casting our cares upon the Lord. And how do we do? How does the devil will attack us? How does the devil will find an entrance into your life to devour you? How we saw worries and cares. But where does worries and cares happen? That's right. In your thought. That means you're going to have to build a, a, a defensive protective wall against your, around your, your head in your thought life. And I love what a, 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 a very a man who really had a great impact on my life, he would always used to say, well, you know, a bird, can, you cannot never stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop him from building a nest on your hair. That's what we're talking about. The devil is going to bombard you with thoughts to try to get you to pick up the care back on. To try to get you to enter back into worry and fear and anxiety. But here is what the word says. You've got to be vigilant and sober. And you've got to protect yourself. And you're going to have the next verse. He says, resist him steadfast in the faith. 
You see? But that's where we've got to res resist him. Where? In the faith. Resist him steadfast in the faith. And how do we do that? By resisting any thought that comes to your head, a toxic, I call them toxic thought, that will try to get you to pick up the worry again, to pick up the fear again. You've got to resist the thoughts. Now, can I show you something here, if you don't mind? Let's go together to 2 Corinthians 10. It tells us to resist the devil because the devil will attack your thought life. We all heard, you know, some people said your head is the battlefield, uh, you know, of the devil. That's where it will attack you. I believe that's where you attacked and, and tempted Jesus in the wilderness, in his thought life. He didn't come with a little fork and a red suit. He attacked and tempted Jesus in the wilderness through thoughts. Because that's the battlefield of the devil. And so it tells us here to resist him steadfast in the faith. But let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down stronghold, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You know what is the tactic of the devil, what he tries to do? His, his, his aim, really, his objective is to build a stronghold in your mind. What is a stronghold? Anybody has any idea what a stronghold is? I mean, you always hear and read in the Old Testament, the Lord is my stronghold, I shall not fear. A, a, a stronghold is like a fortress. Mm -hmm. It's a fortress with thick and high wall yeah. to, uh, uh, to stop the enemy from going in. That's what originally a fortress and a stronghold is. But here, the Bible shows us, in, in, in that in the book of Corinthians, Paul shows us that the enemy, his objective is to build a stronghold in your life. But how does he do it? It starts with thoughts. If you take that verse in reverse, you find out that he will attack your thought, your head, with thoughts. And if it's a thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, then, and you continue to meditate on it, and dwell on it, and think about it, it becomes an argument. What is an argument? An argument is when you start debating, back and forth, opposing what you're saying. No, no, this is this. And you go, uh, an argument is a debate. You go back and forth, challenging that one thought. And here is the catch. If you dwell and you start arguing with the word of God and with the truth, and you start arguing and going back and forth with that thought, it's got the potential of becoming a stronghold in your head. That is the reason why. That's how nations have been overpowered by the enemy. In the mind of one person. In the mind of one person. That's how communism... Yeah. Spread all over Russia, the USSR. 
in the mind of one man that started to say there is no God. And then to start to say, we don't need God. We're going to have socialism. We're going to have communism. And the government will be everything you need. Yeah. It started with that one thought. It started to go in, it, in that person's mind. It became an argument. And he continually pushed the truth of the word of God. It became an argument where now his thoughts or the thoughts of the devil argued with the thoughts of God. And then when that person gave themselves over to those thoughts, it became a stronghold. Where all of a sudden the word of God could no longer get in. That's why there are some of you, you are bound in your head. And you, it's hard for you to do some things, to hear something. And every time you hear some truth from the word of God, it's like... Well, because maybe, like not long ago, I ministered to, uh, um, in a Ukrainian youth group, and there were probably, I don't know, 20, 30 young people. And, you know, I was ministering on the Holy Spirit, why speaking tongues. And there were there two persons who had been indoctrinated for years that the Holy Spirit was of the devil, that speaking in tongues was of the devil. Well, you know, I saw those two people. One of them was, like you could tell, he, he asked questions, he challenged what I was saying, but he did it in a way where I could tell he was asking just questions. He was hungry to know the truth. But there was another person next to him. I mean, his, his approach was, no, I know I've heard this is not of God, this is of the devil. So pff, there was a stronghold. I could not go through. I could not... You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And here is a thought. If those thoughts of fear and worry and concern and cares, you don't immediately resist them, then it, it, it soon enough it starts becoming an argument where you start thinking, well, I really wonder if God is going to really come through. I remember so and so, you know, they prayed for healing and, and they never got healed. And I re all of a sudden there is an argument starting. You know what I'm talking about? And here it is. If you don't resist God's steadfast in the faith, what does it mean to resist in the faith? Yeah. It means you don't walk by sight, you walk by faith. You are not making your, your decision. You're not standing upon what you see and what you feel. You're going to take your stand upon what you know from the Word of God. Oh yeah, it doesn't make sense. Oh yeah, you, you, everything you look, look like you're going to, ah, you're going to sink. Everything you feel and you see might be opposite, but you stand steadfast in the faith, in what you know the Word of God says. Because if you don't do that, and you enter into an argument, pretty much you, all of a sudden you find yourself with what we call a phobia. Yeah. That's her phobia. I mean, I have, made, I have met people that are germophobia. Yeah. They will never shake your hand. I mean, at times, you know, like meet and greet in church, where everybody shakes, hugs. That person, I look at her, she's always hands in her pocket. Oh, like this. I've met people, you know, that are afraid of, you know, claustrophobic. And they're, and, and, and they're the kind of people all of a sudden that have been so overpowered in their mind with that fear and that worry, what has happened? They are becoming prisoner of that fear. And you can try to debate or talk to them, bring them some kind of... I mean, some of those fears don't make any sense. Yeah. 
Do you know what I'm talking about? And you can try to talk to the person, show them. That's ridiculous. You know, and you try to show them common sense. Show them and they won't hear it. They cannot let anything else get into their the head. Do you know what I mean? And so here is the process in which the devil will and it won't happen overnight. That's why we've got to stand fast. Resist the devil in the faith. Hallelujah. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Now let me show you. Because now how do you resist that fear? How do you resist that, that, those thoughts? How do you resist? How do you resist thoughts? That's a good question. Right, here is a good, it's a good illustration. If right now I was to tell you, okay, don't think, Thomas, about a brown cow. I forbid you to think about a brown cow. None of you, you are allowed to think about a brown cow. No brown cow, do you hear me? Don't think about a brown cow. What happens? Automatically, boom, you're thinking about a brown cow. So you cannot go, I'm not going to be afraid, I'm not going to be afraid, I'm not going to worry, I'm not going to worry. You do not resist Thoughts with thoughts. You can't. So how do you do it? How can you resist steadfast in the faith those thoughts, those worries, those fears? How do you do it? Can we do a little experiment? Would that be okay? It's warm. Forgive me. I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you all of you to close your eyes And to think about lunch. It's the only time you're allowed to think about lunch in church. So enjoy it. Some of you might have already been thinking about it. So I will, when I tell you, you'll close your eyes, you think about lunch. What are you going to eat? What are you going to eat? How it's going to taste? How oh, it's going to smell? Oh, man. And then when I tell you at the sound of three, I'll say one, two, three. When I say three, I want all of you to open your mouth and to say, my name is Audrey Mack. I am 52 years old. I live in Jacksonville. Of course, you won't say that. You'll say your name, your age, where you live. You'll say, my name is Candace. I am 16 years old. I live in Jacksonville. Amen? You understand what I'm trying to do. So are you ready? So you close your eyes, start thinking about lunch. Oh, it looks good. It smells good. One, two, three. Okay, what happened to lunch? Gone. So the truth is, you cannot resist steadfast in the faith by trying to get those thoughts out saying, I'm not going to think about that. Because the more you tell yourself, I'm not going to think about that, the more you're going to think about it. But the only way you can resist and get rid of those thoughts is by opening your mouth like Jesus did in the wilderness. When the devil came and says, you know, worship me. You know, change those stones into bread. What did Jesus say? It is written in the Tanakh, in the word of God. Men shall not live but by bread alone. Then he came back, you know, throw yourself down, you know. It is written. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. I mean, so that's how we have to do. 
in order to resist the thoughts, the worries, the fears, and, and get, get so that we don't enter into argument and that we don't allow a stronghold to be built in our head and our life, we've got to open our mouth. And you open your mouth with a word of God because it's alive, sharper than any two-edged sword. But here is the problem. Most Christians today... You know, the word of God is, is compared to a sword, right? Mm -hmm. a, a sword, a double-edged sword. It'll cut you on each side. But most Christians, they their sword is stuck. All of a sudden, they're being attacked with fear and worry. All of a sudden, they go, oh, what is that scripture again? What is that? I don't know. Oh, God, I don't know. What? And it's like their sword is stuck. <laughs> That is why we've got to have not just the word in our Bible, we've got to have the word in our heart. So when it comes to the moment where we're being attacked in our thought, the word is right there coming out of our mouth. Amen. We've got to run to strengthen our heart and establish our heart in the word. Because you notice, look at it in Philippians chapter 4. In verse 6, Paul tells us, don't worry about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, make your request known unto God, and the peace of God that passes understanding will guard your heart of mind. And, by the way, think about such things. Start thinking about what is noble, what is of good report, what is of good, praiseworthy, what is peaceful, what is good. The Word. You see, Paul links together the getting rid of the thought and the worry and the fear with establishing your heart and your mind on the Word of God. Hallelujah. And another, and that's why it's important to have the Word of God in your heart and in your mind. But also what I found that is powerful, a great antidote, a great antidote against fear and worry is meditating on the faithfulness of God. Amen. You remember in Hebrew 11, 11, Sarah. You know Sarah, I mean, she received a promise. She was 90 years old, couldn't bear any children. She was barren because she never could bear children when she was 16. But now she is, what, 90 years old? And the God has told her that you're going to have a son. And all for years and years and years. I mean, it took time. The Bible said that she received strength because she considered God faithful. You know what that means? That all those years when she was tempted to worry, when she was tempted to be afraid, when she was tempting to try to figure out what are we going to do? Well, I really tried to give her my maid. It didn't work. We got in a mess. So God, how are we going to do it? Every time she tried to figure it out and enter into that worry and thoughts, and, and she, what did she do? She stopped and she started to consider God faithful. How did she do that? She started meditating on all, everything God did in her life. And she, she, I can imagine her where she said, Oh God, Sarah, don't worry. Do you remember how God took you out of the land of earth when you didn't even know where we were going and how God provided every step of the way? Do you remember when that Pharaoh wanted you in her, the harem? And my husband kind of said, well, you can have her. She's my sister. Remember, Sarah. 
I, I guarantee you Abraham didn't live to see that one. <laughs> I can picture Sarah saying, remember Sarah, how God himself got you out of it. Supernaturally. You remember, Sarah, how God defended you against the Amalekites. How God prospered you. Everywhere you went, there was no water. Bam! God made water to come out of the ground. Remember, Sarah, what did she do? She meditated on history with God. Everything God had done in her life and in the life of others. Let me say, when you start meditating on God's faithfulness, fear is dispelled. That is why you remember, as soon as they crossed the Red Sea, what did God tell them to do? To build a memorial. Why? So that every time people would walk by, they would say, what is that pile of stone? Oh, oh, that's when God defeated the Egypt army. He did this, he did that. That's why it's good to keep a journal. I'm not a... As good with it as I should, but once in a while I was like, okay, you've got to write that down. Every time God does something, that whether it's small or big, it's like we can write it down. And let me tell you, when you are faced with worry and care, cares, and the devil is trying to get you to pick up that worry and that care and that fear, go back to your journal and say, oh, look at that. Remember when God did that. Oh, and look at that one. Oh, man. Now, remember, and all of a sudden, when you start doing that, all the, the acts of God, your history with God start to come back up. And what does it do? It expels fear. It, it, an antidote for fear. It expels worry and fear. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. And, then, and number four, let me say something. Number three, let me say something else. It's not just good. We're talking about staying worry-free, carefree. It's not just good to put the word of God in your heart. It's not just good to meditate on, on the acts of God or the faithfulness of God. But we've got to protect our heart. We've got to, in, in Proverbs chapter 4, in Proverbs chapter 4, King David says, Keep your heart, guard your heart with all diligence. For out of your heart flows out the issues of life. Now let me say something. You might be meditating on God's faithfulness. You might be listening and planting yourself in the word. But if you feed your heart with what's out there, with the news, with the toxicity, I said it again, of the world, the unbelief that's coming out of the tube, out of the media, out of the newspaper, it won't be long until all of a sudden you get filled again with that fear and that worry. Because the news out there is never good news, it's always bad news. Somebody got killed, or somebody crossed the, the, the highway and they got killed, or this, or that, or there is war over here, there is... So not only do we plan ourselves in the Word of God, not only do we meditate on the Word of God and on the faithfulness of God, but we protect our heart to keep the good in and keep the bad out. Because what we see, what we hear, that the ears and the eyes are the gateway of the heart. And out of the heart are the issues of life, are the faith. Amen. And what you listen to will either cause faith or fear. So you see what I mean? It's not just meditating on the word of God and on the faithfulness of God, but protect your heart. I mean, if you just lost your job, 
Amen. And you don't know, and you casting your care upon God, and you, 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 and you don't lean on your own understanding, it'd be wise not to go and listen to the news and watch the, you know, read the news. You, you, I'm not being legalistic here. I'm, I'm trying to give you something to protect yourself from having to fight with those thoughts. Amen. You know what I mean? Some of you are looking at me way too holy. <laughs> and then finally, here is a thing, you know, here is a thing when you are being attacked with fear and worry, we saw that we've got to stand steadfast in the faith. Right. Amen. In the faith, which means we've got to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. Glory to God. And even though it's going to be a walk of faith, Walking by faith, if you're looking for another job, if you are, you know, wondering, how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to feed my kids? It's a walk of faith. Walk of faith. But during that time, it is wise to pray in the Spirit. Because Jude verse 20 says, But you, my beloved, build yourself up in your most holy faith. How do you build yourself up on your most holy faith? By praying in the Holy Spirit. You see, praying in the Spirit doesn't give you faith. Because it's the Word that gives you faith. But praying in the Spirit, what will it do? It will keep you, it will energize your faith. It will help you to be bold and keep walking in faith. To be courageous. That's what it will do. It will make you bold and courageous so you can keep on standing steadfast. In the faith. You won't be tossed. You won't be shaken. You'll be steadfast. By praying in the spirit. It will make you. It will energize your faith. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Did that help you this morning? I know it helped me. It's helping me. So this morning. I'd like to. um, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. It's not a little religious thing like you, you're ashamed or whatever. No, it's just like closing yourself up in your little sanctuary. That's really my purpose of why I'm asking you to close your eyes. So you can close yourself up, forget who is around you. It's you and God. And I'd like to ask you, is there anybody here? You've been, you've been attacked and you've been tempted to just, you've been in worry and fear and care and you don't know, uh, you know, <coughs> What are you going to do? How are you going to do it? If this is your case, I'd like to see your hand. Yes, I see those hands. Glory to God. Then, if that's okay with you this morning, I would like to take this opportunity for us to cast that care. To roll over this burden unto the Lord and to throw it as far from you as possible. Amen. And now you know how not to pick it up. Amen. So let's do that. If it is you, I would like you to stand up. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus.